Welcome to State House Spotlights, the official podcast of Excel and Ed in action. I'm Tom Green. And I'm Ashley Mullins. We both serve as national legislative directors for Excel and Ed in action, where we manage the organization's Ledge Affairs team and work with leaders and lawmakers from across the country to promote student-centered K-12 education solutions. Each week on our podcast, our team is going to track education bills and share trends from across the states. But first, we'd like to take a look back at 2023 because it was a monumental year uh, when it comes to education policy. We had states taking the lead on education policy all across the country. Governors, legislators, state education chiefs, Arkansas. Well, I think we have to start there. That state has an incredible story in 2023. You have a new governor, Governor Huckabee Sanders, who came in and passed one of the most comprehensive education packages since our chairman, Governor Bush's A-plus plan in Florida. Indiana, Trailblazer, they passed an innovative policy that I think other states are going to copy. It's called career scholarship accounts. They're basically flexible spending accounts for students to use towards work-based learning opportunities so that they are better prepared for the workforce. You had 16 states move forward on private school choice. I mean, millions of families are now eligible for other options besides their traditional public school that they're assigned to. You had 10 states take action on early literacy to make sure that kids can read by third grade, the critical time where kids are moving from learning to read to reading to learn. Eight states banned this really harmful practice called 3Qing basically where it gets kids to guess, where they have to use context clues and look at pictures. And it just just doesn't work. And some states have moved forward in banning that practice so that kids are learning to decode, break the word down, and lean into the science of reading. We had a lot of states take action on closing this gap between the traditional public school system and public charter schools. There's a funding disparity between public schools in our country your traditional public school, you typically get more money. If you're a public charter school, you typically get less. States like Indiana and Ohio move forward in closing that gap between the two sectors. Leaders in Idaho worked on helping charters get more facility funding so that charters don't have to spend all their money on interest rates. They can keep that money to hire more teachers and support their students. And then we saw three states pass math policy where they're incorporating some of those best practices from early literacy policy that's already been in place, but they're using it towards helping kids improve their math scores. So lots and lots of action in 2023, probably one of the most historic years we've seen when it comes to big, bold ideas actually becoming reality. That's just a lot of activity on education. We have to dive deeper, right? Because some of these policies were just so transformational. So let's tackle Arkansas Learns first, because it just has so much. Tom, tell us a little bit more. What all was included in that? Yeah. So first of all, I'd say Arkansas is blessed to have Governor Sanders leading the state because she understands that the way you move an education system, the way you improve student outcomes is tackling the issue from multiple angles. And she went big. I mean, she was elected, came in and pushed this bill that gave universal choice to Arkansas families, created a comprehensive early literacy policy to ensure kids can read by third grade, all grounded in the science of reading. She expanded charter schools. She raised teacher pay, included performance bonuses for those highly effective teachers that are producing results for kids. 
strengthen pathways from high school to career. She really did it all, all in one bill, and it was incredible to see. And so now the state's focused on implementation, but 2023 was big for getting policy done. Yeah, and she did it comprehensively, like you mentioned. It reminds me a lot of how we approach our policy agenda on education. We are an all of the above type of an organization. We have to have policies that are going to improve our traditional system of schools because we know the vast majority of our kids are going to continue to be educated there. But we also know that we need to offer additional opportunities. And so I was really excited to see just how comprehensive her approach was. And I'm even more excited to see how the impact on students is going to bear out in future years. So if 2021 was the year of choice policy, which I think a lot of people agree that it was, Tom, do you think 2022 and 2023 could be dubbed the year of early literacy policy? I think so. You know, it was incredible to see. So, you know, Florida back in 2002 really was the trailblazer in this approach of creating a comprehensive policy where you're identifying kids who struggle. You create individualized learning plans. You monitor their progress. You bring parents in. You set a gate at third grade to say, if you're not prepared, we're going to give you more time and more interventions and more support. So Florida was a trailblazer. And then Mississippi followed Florida. And you're seeing incredible results from that state. And so I'd say, yeah, 2022, 2023 saw incredible momentum around moving comprehensive early literacy policies across the country. Governors, legislators, state education chiefs are stepping up and getting this done. It's incredible to see. So I just want to jump into two states and then Tom, maybe you can tackle a couple others for us. But I've worked in the states of Virginia and Ohio for a long time. And I want to start with Virginia. Virginia wasted no time expanding their K-3 Virginia Literacy Act that originally passed in 2022. Their initial comprehensive law closely follows the Mississippi approach and our model. It prioritizes teacher training and high-quality instructional materials in those early grades. But we know that those early grades are when students are learning how to read, and so that is the focus of most of the laws that we've seen to date. But in 2023, Virginia also acknowledged that some of those struggling readers who haven't had the benefit of evidence-based reading instruction in those early grades are already in grades four through eight. And so they expanded their law to ensure that those teachers are also trained and that students are being taught using instruction aligned to the science of reading. And so I, I think we'll also start to see some more states tackle adolescent literacy following in Virginia's footsteps. And then I, I don't think we can understate the big stand that Governor DeWine took in Ohio. That is a state that has served as a home base for outdated balanced literacy practices and training for decades. And so he came out very, very, very strong and included in his budget proposal last year a massive investment. And so what ended up passing in the budget in Ohio last year was $160 million for literacy. That's huge. And they are focused on prioritizing teacher training, deploying more reading coaches out across the state, and providing dollars to districts to help with the costs that come with transitioning to better reading curriculum. And they're also actually one of the states that banned pre-queuing practices, as you mentioned earlier, Tom. So that's really, really big. Yeah, no, I think it's been interesting to see this debate that's happened in our country over the past few decades, right? Between whole language and three queuing, and then the science of reading. And it feels like states are really moving towards the science of reading. It's what we advocate for. You know, there were other states last year that stepped up. Tennessee 
under the leadership of Governor Bill Lee, protected the policy uh, that they put on the books, I think in like 2021. They made some tweaks to it to strengthen the policy, but it was incredible to see a state stick with this uh, because sometimes it's really challenging when you start holding kids back in third grade because they're not quite prepared, you know? And those of us who taught really, you know, especially the older kids, the upper grades, right? Like I was a high school teacher. And when I got a kid who struggled to read in high school, it was difficult for me to be an effective teacher because I was not prepared to teach reading. So it was really good to hear, you know, Virginia helping those teachers in grades four through eight have those tools, have those resources to help those kids. But really, we should be catching them in third grade and like to really praise Tennessee for keeping that policy, strengthening it, and start to see early results in Tennessee because of it. You also had a state like Wisconsin. Bipartisan legislation, Democratic Governor Evers worked with Speaker Voss, Representative Kitchen, Senator Jagler, to pass a bill that did a lot. It banned three queuing. It supported teachers with a $50 million investment in educator training, provided 64 full-time literacy coaches. These are professionals that are helping teachers build capacity support struggling students, help them with individualized interventions. The legislation also creates progress monitoring, parental notification if their kid is struggling. It's important as a parent. Like, you should know if your kid's struggling. So Wisconsin said, if we identify a student who struggles in reading, we got to let the parent know because this has got to be a partnership between the teacher and the parent. And I think you, you start to see better outcomes when you have that type of partnership and communication between teacher and parent. I'm so glad that you brought up bipartisanship in Wisconsin because, you know, looking back at the initial Virginia Literacy Act and the expansion, both of those were unanimously supported in that state, which was really exciting to see. And I'm going to put a little teaser in when we dive into what's happening in 2024, we are seeing a lot of bipartisanship in this. And so I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, no, and it's 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 refreshing, right, in this political environment to have both parties come together to move forward solutions, right? Like we see the track record, we see the research, we know how to teach kids to read. And it's exciting to see both parties embrace that. Another state I'd like to recognize Georgia under uh, Governor Kemp, along with Speaker Burns, Representative Will Wade, Representative Ballard, Senator Hickman. They also passed a comprehensive policy that I think, as we talk about 2024, they're going to build on. And so that legislation included individualized reading plans, ensure high-quality instructional material is being used in the classroom, and then professional development for teachers to make sure they're trained in the science of reading. That's awesome, Tom. So you also mentioned earlier when you were going through just everything that the states have tackled, I'm really excited to see states tackling teacher policy. Pennsylvania created a really cool state-level educator supply and demand dashboard. It's going to provide data related to shortages across our state and retention that can inform policy and hiring decisions in the state. And so I have a feeling that we might see some more states tackle that just because we need to know what kind of shortages we have, if there are shortages, which subjects. I think it's going to help us inform the educator supply. And then I also wanted to highlight North Carolina's advanced teacher incentives. These, you know, we talk a lot about the shortages and the lack of teachers going into the field, but I think we also have to talk about retention when it comes to teachers, right? We want to make sure that our really good teachers are staying in the classroom for a long time for the benefits of kids. 
And so North Carolina's program is a way to reward those excellent teachers for staying in the classroom and taking on leadership and mentoring roles. And I think that might also be a really great model for other states. And the research out of that state is showing positive results for both the students and the teachers there. So needless to say, uh, 2023 was a huge year for education. We do anticipate more action on these issues as many states are already kicking off. They're really, really busy legislative sessions this year in 2024. So be sure to subscribe for our weekly updates so that you don't miss out on anything. But let's go ahead and talk about what's ahead in 2024. Tom, what trends are you seeing across the states? Well, I have to say it's an election year. It's a presidential election year. So that's going to color and influence the conversation at state capitals. But I, I believe states are going to move forward on a lot of big and bold ideas. I don't think states are going to sit back. You know, some states might not have as many bills on education, but there seems to be a lot of states that will. So some of the trends that we're seeing is, you know, this continued momentum around early literacy. We've talked about it already. I think other states are going to continue to move forward on that. I think continue to provide parents more options, both public and private options, and, and creating systems to help parents take advantage of those additional options. I think states are interested in strengthening their pathways from high school to career, especially around, I think, taking an initial step around getting good data about their career and technical education programs doing audits to say, okay, we funded these career and technical programs for decades. Are they actually aligned to what our workforce needs are in our state? Are they aligned to these uh, high demand, high wage jobs? And so I think states, you know, like Florida and Mississippi have taken a step in this direction. Other states are looking to follow is let's get the data. Let's show how our programs are doing. And are they producing students that are prepared to take these open positions in their states? I think other states, too, will be continuing to take some of those best practices from early literacy and apply it to math. We're going to see states moving in that direction, which is exciting, because if we can produce the same results from an early literacy policy in math, we're going to start to really push back against learning loss that we've seen because of the pandemic. And, and frankly, we weren't, you know, knocking it out of the park before the pandemic. So I think we've got a lot of work to do in math. And then the PISA results were just released that shows that the United States has a long way to go to improve and to be competitive with countries like Japan and Korea. And I think we're seeing leaders lean into policies that, you know, are influencing kids in a way that are harmful, like social media. Leaders are thinking about how to restrict social media for minors, which I think is good. We've seen the data and it's not great, like it's harmful to have kids on social media. And we, we've seen the impact on their attention span. We're seeing bans or considering bans on smartphones in schools, which I think is only going to help learning because you're removing the distractions of the phone and helping kids focus on learning. So it should be an eventful year. Yeah, let's start with educational opportunity policies, because I think as parental engagement just continues to rise in education, I think we're going to see more states tackling these issues even though so many have already done it. What states are you watching for this issue this year? Yeah, so Tennessee is at the top of my list, among others that I'll talk about briefly. But Governor Bill Lee is a passionate education champion. He passed an education scholarship account for three counties in Tennessee. He wants to include the whole state. He wants to make it universal. So I anticipate under his leadership and the leadership of legislators there, 
that they'll accomplish that. Governor Ivey in Alabama, she's made education choice a priority of hers and her administration. And I imagine we'll see some legislation that will create more opportunities for Alabama students and families. Georgia's House is considering an ESA for students who are in struggling public schools. And then Governor Landry in Louisiana. New governor. This is exciting. Yeah, he um, campaigned on this and he won big in the state. And I imagine that we'll see some legislation for a universal ESA in Louisiana, but we'll see. You know, their session starts in March. So let's turn to early literacy. We talked about that today. You know, I think states are going to continue building on the work that's happened across the years. But states like Nebraska are looking at helping teachers get trained in the science of reading. Iowa, I believe we're going to see a comprehensive bill package there. There's a lot of discussion about providing Iowa teachers, literacy coaches, banning 3 queuing, providing professional development. I'm a big fan of Governor Reynolds there. She is a strong leader, passionate about education. So no doubt if she's behind this legislation. I'm sure it'll get done. You have a lot of good legislators there that care about this issue. Oklahoma wants to ban 3 queuing, so I anticipate Oklahoma adding to the, the growing list of states taking action in that area. So I'm excited. I think we're going to see a lot more action. Idaho as well. I shouldn't fail to mention Idaho under uh, uh, Governor Little and uh, Superintendent Critchfield. They're going to continue building on the work that they've been doing year after year. So states aren't letting up. I think we're only going to see more, more and more happen. And I think what's most exciting to me about this is we are seeing so many governors taking the lead on this across the states. We just saw an announcement out from New York Governor Kathy Hochul last week. She is going to prioritize teacher training in the science of reading and high-quality instructional materials in her upcoming budget. Uh, same thing's happening with New Jersey Governor Murphy in his state of the state earlier this week, so that's exciting. You already mentioned Governor Reynolds just knocking it out of the park, and we're excited to see what her announcement entails and Governor Kemp in Georgia. We also, we have to mention Governor Holcomb and Secretary Jenner in Indiana. They are also going to make strengthening their literacy law a priority this year. And so it's really exciting to see the leaders who have the bully pulpits stand up on this issue. And it's just so critical because what we've seen from Florida and Mississippi and the other states that have tackled this, it's the implementation that is the key for early literacy policy. And so we need administrations on board. We need their state agencies on board with implementing. And so it's particularly exciting to see governors including these in their state of the states and budget addresses this year. So, you know, while these states have been tackling the literacy crisis, students have also continued to struggle with math. But we are seeing movement on this in a few key states. And a lot of it is parallel to what we see in literacy policy with priorities around the teacher training and high quality instructional materials that students are using in the classroom. Before I kick it to you, Tom, for a couple of upcoming states, you know, we saw West Virginia tackled literacy and math in the same bill last year because a lot of it is so similar in making sure that teachers are trained and that we're using really sound instructional methods and materials in the classroom. And so I know we are looking at Indiana and Ohio this year. Tell us more about those. Yeah, so it's exciting to see states like Indiana and Ohio move in this direction. I think they're looking at providing interventions for students who are identified as struggling in math and then potentially building on that in upcoming sessions. So I think more to come, but I'm glad you mentioned West Virginia. 
I don't know if they get as much credit uh, as they deserve, but they've really tackled education from multiple angles and provide a lot of solutions. So it's really exciting to see the results, right? Like we're going to, that's, that's why we do this. That's why we advocate for these policies. I think we're going to see a lot of incredible results in the years to come. And to your point, if states implement with fidelity, uh, there's a lot of potential. And so we're talking about math and reading, right? If kids aren't focusing on the instruction that they're getting in these areas, then student achievement is not going to rise. And so a hot topic at National Summit on Education in November was the negative effects of smartphones and social media on learning and student mental health. State leaders are taking note of this, and we're already seeing some movement across the states. Right, Tom? Absolutely. It's interesting to think about how a little phone can be so addictive and distracting, but it is, and it's influencing our kids. You know, social media is leading to struggles with mental health. It's harder to focus because some of the social media apps are creating these harmful effects where kids aren't able to concentrate. And so I think it's important for states to take action, and we're seeing it. Utah, Arkansas, Governor Little in Idaho yesterday announced that he's looking at age restrictions for social media, you know, getting parental permission for kids to be on these apps. And then states like Florida ban cell phones during instructional time. A state like Oklahoma is looking at supporting local districts if they decide to ban smartphones and how they can provide grant funding for cell phone lockers and, you know, partnering with other vendors to take cell phones at the beginning of the school day and then give them back. So I think this is only going to help academic achievement uh, in our country. I think, frankly, kids are going to like it because they're going to get a break from this phone that I think can cause a lot of anxiety. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're going to see bills introduced in Virginia. I think we have some on deck here in Pennsylvania. I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to see more states tackle this. And it'll be interesting to see how they tackle it, right? We have lots of states that have a longstanding history of local control, but we also recognize that it's the state's duty to make sure that their students are educated. And so I'm anxious for this discussion this year, and I'm really excited to see about the potential impact on students. But as we talk about all of these policies, right, and they are all individually important, we also can't forget that accountability is the underpinning of everything in education, right? What gets measured gets done and gets the focus. And so we need to make sure that we have a way to tell how well our students are doing. And Florida is having some robust discussions on this topic. So what's going on there, Tom? Yeah, well, you know, I have to recognize that Florida is our home state, you know, Excel and Ed in action. We take a lot of our inspiration from Florida nationally and the work that's been done decade after decade, starting with Governor Bush leaning into accountability you know, ensuring kids can read by third grade and giving them more time for promotion if they're not prepared. Having graduation requirements so that we can be confident when you graduate with a high school diploma, you're prepared for the next step, whatever that may be. And the Florida Senate is promoting bills that I think align with the interests of the teachers union. Uh, They're promoting bills that lower expectations for kids lower accountability and graduation requirements, and then remove the third grade reading gate, which is concerning. Florida is leading the country, and it's largely because of leaders year after year in the legislature, in the governor's office, who have pushed forward policies that inspire other leaders. I can't tell you the number of times I've talked to legislators who look to Florida for inspiration. 
So it is concerning, but the good news is this robust discussion, I think, hopefully will lead in the direction of protecting what's on the books and not, you know, doing what the teachers union would want to do and, and remove some of these uh, requirements. So there's also another provision that would decrease funding for charter schools. So obviously we're concerned about that as well, because charters are such an important part of the suite of options that parents have in the state of Florida. You know, Florida is the number one state for education freedom and charters play an important role in providing that freedom and options for parents. So we got to support charters. So part of that is making sure they get their uh, share of the funding. Well, hopefully students continue to win the day in Florida and we see everybody back off of rolling back and lowering expectations. Well, that's all we have for you this week, listeners. The states were super busy making moves to improve education in 2023, and it's looking like 2024 will continue that momentum. Thank you so much for joining us today on the State House Spotlights podcast. If you liked our episode today, please give us a review and subscribe so you're always the first to know about new episodes. Don't forget to join us in the conversation on social media too. You can engage with our team at Excel and Ed in Action on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and X, formerly Twitter. Until next time, take care.